Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hello and welcome back to We're Not Fucking Historians with myself, Hazel Hayes. And myself, Shane Todd. Still remote. Still, still on the old broken leg. Very remote. Look, <laughs> there's so much apart from today's topic that I don't even know what today's topic is. There's so much that we need to talk about. Yes, we're remote, but we nearly did get to do this together because I, I nearly ended up just living in London because just of the Just getting storm. stranded here. Yes. So you were here for... so. Today's topic, by the way, is Oscar Wilde. Okay. <laughs> love, that, love that you just didn't know that. No. Um, you were here for a gig in Leicester Square Theatre, no less, uh, last week. I am very at home in the theatre district of London. <laughs> Chinatown, Soho, that kind of area might just be a bit of me. But yeah, I couldn't get home the next day and I was really hoping that we might have some listeners that maybe worked in Luton Airport, you know, <laughs> that saw, saw me hanging about the entrance to the to the lounge, <laughs> and uh, it turns out we don't. Turns out we just have those couple of listeners in Turkey and Kenya. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, we, we've got listeners in Gatwick, we've got listeners in Heathrow, Southend, all the airports. <laughs> Fucking hate this podcast in Luton. Actively boycotting us up there, so they are. Um, but yeah, so you were stuck because of, was it Storm Eunice? Was that the name of it? Storm Eunice, and look, I've made, I've made the point before and I'm going to make it again. And this is one of those ones that, you know, they'll probably cut out of the episode. <laughs> but can I just say, as a grown adult, if you get blown over by a storm, you're weak. Shane, people died. No, they, no, but I mean like the guys in like London City Centre who are on their way to work and just get, you know. <laughs> just fell over. Just get put on their arse. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I'll be honest. I So I, for a couple days of it, was just lording it about in my very high up apartment, laughing at all the little ants down below, struggling against the wind. I was like, ah, ha, ha, I don't need to leave my house because I'm a recluse. And then on the third day, I did actually need to leave the house. <laughs> I was like, oh, damn it. Someone's watching me right now. I literally did the thing where you're walking up the road, battling against the wind and you look like a mime. Like you look yeah, like you're joking yeah. and like leaning into it. And I was like, this might actually knock me on my ass, in which case that's going to be extremely embarrassing and shame will disown me. It the trick bad. is, if you're walking against the wind, turn round and walk backwards. Well, like in Tenet. That's the trick. Don't worry about walking onto a road. Don't worry about anything like that. You, it, it's just, it's all about the wind stream. <laughs> just trust your instinct. Just trust your instinct. Top of the O2 came off. That was fun. Got a text from my mother. Got a text from my mother in Dublin to let me know the top of the O2 had come off. Like, thank, but thanks, Hazel, Alan. I wasn't playing the O2. <laughs> hey oh. Well, you, you blew the roof off the Leicester Square Theatre. 
No, I don't know. That was an RD accent. I'm not sure what happened in the middle there. Yeah, <laughs> I turned into my grandmother. Unfortunately, Leicester Square have said that the roof is uh, structurally intact. Very much which intact. Is, which is a kick in the No, deep. you were very good. It, it behooves me to say it, but it was a very good show. You did the parish proud. Thank you. Thank you. It was a good time. We had some listeners <laughs> there. It was all a lot of fun, but we're remote again. And that's yeah. fine. We're remote we're, I like again. it when we're in different countries. It makes me feel like international, like the podcast is international. I like it when we're in different countries for a whole other set of reasons. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I never made you spit your tea out before. Right, no. so we'll be back in the studio next week, to my knowledge. I'll have my Titanic mug firmly in my hands. However, today we are talking about the one and only Oscar Wilde. I think I say the one and only every week, but most of them yeah. are the one and only of their kind. Um, what do we know about Oscar Wilde, Shane? I know that Oscar Wilde was first and foremost a, a writer. Great. I just did not know what you were going to say. Yeah, secondly. I also know that he was gay he that those are kind of the two things that you need to know about oscar wilde i would say he was which is sad because it shouldn't it shouldn't have defined him and yet it did because of the time he was living in yeah imagine i said first and foremost he was gay i really secondary he was a writer he also wrote some stuff (laughs) i know he's quite tall he seems to be quite tall very tall Um, yeah in my head, he's Stephen Fry. I was literally, oh my God, I was about to say, and I, I'm sure we're not the first people to make this comparison, but the whole time no. I was researching and every, and this was what I was thinking, this was nice for you because you're always complaining that we don't have photos of people because they're from like the fucking middle ages. But yeah. we actually, we actually have pictures of this one. He's very like Stephen Fry. If we're to make the movie, it's hands down Stephen Fry playing him. I, I say that and I'm literally thinking, is there a movie where Stephen Fry plays him? Already, have we missed the trick on that one? From Sony Pictures Classics comes the first definitive film about the extraordinary life of Oscar Wilde. You're an artist. Artists are always children at heart. I think that the realization of oneself is the prime aim of life. He looks a bit like, and I, you know, people go, it's easy to judge, right? But that's why we do it. He, he looks, Oscar Wilde, no disrespect, looks like he's been to Turkey to get the lips done. Yeah, he, like he's got, he he's had the hair bit. done. He looks his a little bit are... like he's had some work done. Yeah, yeah. I like the way he's dressed. I like his style. He also put me in mind ever so slightly of Morrissey. And I realize we are just picking gay men here, but there's that thing of he like he decorated his dorm room in lilies and all that kind of stuff. And that's that's just kind of, that reminds me of Morrissey for some reason. He's um, got sweet hair, and I like the way he's dressed. And I think if I do a couple more shows in London, I could very easily look exactly like this. I would love if you did an entire set cosplaying as Oscar Wilde. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's only a matter of time. So, we'll start at the start. He was born in Dublin, 16th of October, 1854. So in the middle of the 19th century. Um, he has been called one of the first modern celebrities. I happen to think, and we'll get to this later, he was kind of like the OG influencer. As in, literally, like, was he knocking out some brand collabs back in the 1800s? <laughs> yeah, like, he, had, like, he had H&M. What's a big you know. department store in Dublin near St. Stephen's Green? Brown Thomas? I was going to say Arnott's. They're gone. Oh. Yeah, he did. He did a lot of collabs with Brown Thomas. Yeah, yeah. He, did, he, he had a lot of that kind of stuff going on. He also was kind of one of the first people that I have researched for this anyway, that was like famous for the sake of being famous. That like before he had really done anything, he was just kind of a socialite and was famous for that reason. 
He was a man about town. Is that what you're trying to say? He's a bit of a man about town. Yeah. Bit of a um, character. I like that. Oh, absolutely a bit of a character and kind of a bit of a shit. Oh. His full name is <laughs> Oscar Fingal O'Flaherty Wills Wild. I fucked it. <laughs> I mean, that, that just sounds like the name of like a hipster coffee shop. Already, like it felt like his future was kind of set in stone. So his father is Sir William Wilde. He was a surgeon, a philanthropist. Um, He also suffered from terrible bouts of depression. His mother, Lady Jane Wilde, she was an Irish nationalist poet. Uh, She wrote under the pseudonym Speranza, which means hope in Italian. And she likes to claim that she was descended from Dante and had been an eagle in a previous life. So we can see no, where it all started for Oscar. You know, when you, it, it when all you starts say, to come into place. When you say Dante, can you just confirm for me and probably about three other people listening, <laughs> you don't mean the Brazilian centre-back and former Bayern Munich player, Dante? Alas, no, not the Brazilian right. centre-back. Though if you want for the rest of this podcast to imagine it was, please, please be my guest. So he comes from money, that's what you're telling me? He comes from... He comes from money and madness, which is pretty much how this story is going to go. It's fairly obvious from a young age, he's a bright kid, he's a clever kid, he's he's talkative, he's funny, and he's not particularly popular at school. His older brother was much more popular than him. So he kind of uses that charm, he's telling stories, he's making jokes to kind of get people on side. I, I feel like you're relating to him already. You're, not, you're nodding your head there like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you could be talking about me, except I didn't have an older brother. And you weren't a genius. Well... In in ways. <laughs> in some ways. So he's fluent in French and German. Not Irish. Rude. He was translating Greek and Latin texts from like a young age. Nerd. He's basically, he describes himself as a bit of a prodigy, which is difficult because once again, it's it's someone's own version of their own story, which I'm disinclined to believe for that reason. But he, he did seem very, very intelligent. He went to Trinner's. Obviously. Even I don't know a lot about Trinity. I know it's like a top uni down south, but is it, would that be compared if it was English to like Oxbridge? Is it like top level yes, sort of thing? which right. he also went to. <laughs> why so, was he spending, did he class. just love freshers first? Like why was the guy he just, must have. he must have been guy mad was just into lapping up USB sticks. Clubs and socks, yeah. living it up at every, every student ball. This is the thing though, this is what we're seeing from very early age. It's, it's, he is really intelligent and academically he does very well, but He's more into the social side of things. It's all about the appearance of it. Yeah, I don't like him. You don't like him. Okay, great. No, no I love just, it. Come in hard with an opinion straight on. I like I like it. Now I have to work against that. Just at this early part, <laughs> it's the fact that, do you know what really, really pissed me off about what? it? That he was translating texts. Yeah. You know, from like yeah. other, la- unless that's a homework, don't be doing that. Ah, like they asked him to. I don't know that he was doing this off his own bat, but still. Yeah, it makes it sound like, you know, they're like at lunchtime. They're like, hey, Oscar, you know, come play football, whatever. Yeah. And he's going, I would love to, but I'm translating this from, you know, Latin, Latin. to... Yeah, Belgium. and then he, there were stories of him, like, being able to read entire volumes of books in an hour or two and then and then recite the whole synopsis of the book and the dialogue. And, like, these were... Almost a, it was almost like a party piece that he would do while he was at Ox- Oxford. I think like he would. Oh, that's not a party I want to go to. Uh, no, no. <laughs> they loved it. 
they absolutely loved it so yeah so he goes on to Oxford he got it he got a scholarship and he went there and while he was there he decorated his rooms with peacock feathers lilies sunflowers he once talked about painting the ceiling gold I don't know I guess they wouldn't let him landlord wasn't keen but um he was very eccentric like just you can just see straight off the bat it's all about it's all about the appearance of things. It sounds like this guy has not enough hours in the day. Like, what, does he chi- yeah. Does he ever just chill? Like, it's weird because it seems like he's a professional chiller. Right. You know? Right, okay. You know those people? It, it's style over substance at this point. Yes. He's a professional loafer. Did you know these people? Like, I knew this person in college. I think we've all met one of these people somewhere along the way. He, do you know who he reminds me of is, and this is terrible. Um, Oh, my God. I forget his surname. Jamie. From Made in Chelsea, the really blonde one. Jamie Lang. Jamie Lang, that's the one. He reminds me of him. Like, in the film, it's either Stephen Fry or Jamie Lang playing him. Stephen Fry, Jennifer Ely, Wild. Well, they, they could play him at different parts of his life. Oh my God, they could. Yeah, I like that. Do the little proper biopic thing and have like the early life. and the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. We've cast that movie brilliantly. Great. So after he graduates from Oxford, he goes back to Dublin. And this isn't a huge plot point. I just thought it was interesting. He meets Florence Balcom, who we know as the wife of Bram Stoker. And they spent two years together, herself and Oscar. Now, he's not out as gay yet. And... He apparently was he was madly in love with her. And after after the two years, they broke up and he was devastated. He sent her a letter saying they were just the, the sweetest years of his life. Very lovely and wished her well and said he was probably going to return to England for good, which he did in 1878. And then he, he only came back to Ireland twice for the rest of his life after that. He, he basically just just moved. just came back for a letter picnic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just came back for the picnic in the summer, you know, yourself. <laughs> just came back for oxygen to see the food fighters and that was it. I didn't see the foods at that and I'm raging. I'm still raging. I wish I've I had. I've never been to a festival. That doesn't shock me, even in the very slightest. Oh, yeah, man. It was all muddy and everyone was just in the mud. Hey, I, it, it, the you highlights do. are probably on TV. I'll watch it at home. How did you become a granddad at such a young age? Like, I just don't know what happened. No, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, speaking of ironically Oscar Wilde, like I had some wild times, but it I don't like to get dirty doing it. You know, I don't like the idea of mud. Oh, someone just threw a pint into the crowd. Well, yeah. I hate that and I don't ever want that to happen. And that person should be sentenced to prison and uh, not have a great time. Yeah. Great. Or death. Weird that you say that. We're going to come back to that later. So off he goes back to London. He became known for being a bit of a lad. So yeah, he gets a bit of a name for himself, but still not yet for for writing, for doing the thing that he, he really wants to do. So he begins to publish poems. He had been writing poems throughout the years through college and publishing them in magazines and that kind of stuff. So in 1881, he's 27 now, he publishes his first collection of poems. It is not well received by the critics. And this becomes a bit of a pattern for a while. Again, I didn't realise. I thought like, oh, he's just a genius and everyone loved him. People did not love him. And they actually didn't think that his writing was that good at the time, at least at least up until a point. Which is fair because poetry's work. <laughs> you you just insulted an entire subset of people and like fine. There's probably there's probably twelve good poets working at the minute. Name and them. they are good. But name there's them. a lot of bad poetry. Yeah. Name that name those ones as well. 
the good ones are Dr. Seuss. Is he good or is he problematic? I feel like he was problematic. Um, Dr. Seuss was a woman. I'm ending this line of conversation here. This is absolute madness. Absolute <laughs> madness. <laughs> You're going nowhere. You're just going to insult a bunch of people and be wrong. <laughs> Which is all this podcast is, really, let's be honest. I don't know. This is probably controversial to say. I think the best rapper of all time. Little guy called Tupac Shakur. Don't know if you've heard of him. Okay. Before you dig yourself further into that hole of slagging people off, I think we should take a little break there. Come back after these messages. Yeah, I don't want to be in the hole in the coal. Poetry. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Have you ever wondered what happened to all those space age promises that previous generations thought we'd have by now? 
you know, heading out for the day on your own personal flying cars or working on a space hotel somewhere in the far reaches of our solar system. Where are all those amazing inventions? Well, we're here to find out more on my new podcast, Where's My Jetpack? I'm Sarah Credis, space expert, TV host and author. Join me and Luke Moore every week as we look into retrofuturistic tech that never was to decide whether it's still just science fiction or if some of these discoveries are actually a lot closer than you think. I think we're very close to that happening on a, an even more regular basis. And what I think is interesting about that too is that's going to make the accessibility of getting to space available for more and more people. So, if you've ever wondered whether we'll one day speak to aliens light years away or you'll be flying to work on a jetpack, this is the podcast for you. Think of the car park in space. They need to be massive, No, the wings can fold up. Well, they don't exist. No, some of the cars um, which were designed had wings which folded up. Are you happy getting in a plane knowing the wings fold up? Yeah. I I trust engineering. Trust the science. Search Where's My Jetpack on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Where's My Jetpack is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Welcome back to this podcast on Oscar Wilde, who currently is not doing very well. I mean, part of me likes his attitude. I like he has a taste of the finer things in life. I like his gumption. He seems to me like a bit of a spoofer. Like at this point, I'm thinking, how seriously is he even taking the writing? Which is weird because I think he's taking it extremely seriously, but no one else is taking him seriously. So around this point, he basically becomes the poster boy for aestheticism. Aestheticism being a movement around that time, which essentially was sort of saying that art should be art for art's sake. It could just be entertainment and it didn't necessarily have to have any deeper moral values that sometimes it was just nice for something to be beautiful or entertaining. You're preaching to the choir here. He's becoming a bit of a poster boy for this, but at the same time, he's being ridiculed for it. And a play is written about this. It's like a satire on aestheticism, but it's very clearly about Oscar Wilde specifically (laughs) and they're completely ripping the piss out of him it's about a guy called Oscar Wilde they're like it's (laughs) nothing to do with you that would have been a very good name for it alas it was called Patience uh, by Gilbert and Sullivan but what happened was he was invited on this tour of North America wherever the play was showing as a kind of a press tour like it was almost like he was going out to sort of prep the audiences for what aestheticism is and what he's like so that the play would be even even funnier and more relevant to them. Is that a little bit like someone being like, oh, we're doing a play about complete dickheads here. Shane, <laughs> would you come and do 20 minutes at the start? And I go, oh, do you want me to like talk about the play? They're like, no, no. just say your normal stuff. It is a lot like that. He gets back to London. He's introduced in 1881 to Constance Lloyd, who is the daughter of Horace Lloyd. He is very, very wealthy. She is also very, very wealthy. He proposes, (laughs) as you would. He's sort of running out of money at this point. He marries Constance in 1884 and they have two sons, Cyril and Vivian, over the course of the next couple of years. He basically bankrupts her decorating the house. For a start, <laughs> they get this gorgeous little house. She's earning a little income from her dad. She's doing very well, very affluent. It's around this time when life is actually, for the first time, 
becoming a bit more conventional and a bit more relaxed that he starts becoming interested in very, very young men. The first, or at least one of these, is a teenager named Harry Marillier. Wilde is obsessed with him. And this becomes a bit of a pattern. He starts to just become infatuated and obsessed with a lot of very young boys and men of age also. This starts to become a theme in his work, this sort of duplicity of like being the dutiful husband and the stable guy and also having these yearnings and longings and wanting to act on them. And this is particularly evident in the picture of Dorian Gray. If only the picture could change and I could be always what I am now. For that I would give everything. There's nothing in the whole world I would not give. I would give my soul for that. The vain jealousy which prompted Dorian Gray to utter this fateful prayer was destined to sweep him into a life so fraught with vice and evil that its marks became horrible to behold. For the mad wish of Dorian Gray was granted through some supernatural miracle. And day Reviewers day day immediately criticised the novel. It, it, was, it was all about decadence and homosexual tendencies and people were not happy. No bueno, you might say, Shane. No, no, bueno. Bu- no bueno. They were not happy about this. So Dorian Gray comes out. But Oscar Wilde doesn't. I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't. Like everyone fucking knows. He's not being discreet about what, what's going on behind there's his a, wife's back. There, there, there's a touch of Barry Manilow about this. There is a bit. There's a touch of every every gay man who's been in the limelight <laughs> and and been attacked for it. And it's sad. And at the same time, he he's, you know, conducting affairs behind his wife wife's back and and a lot of these are with very young boys as well so like for that reason i'm out if if we're on dragon's den shock and shane but also he shouldn't he shouldn't be being attacked for being gay but the affairs and the underage stuff not okay so that's where i guess that's where it's kind of murky and confusing um after this he moves slightly off of prose and into plays lady windermere's fan uh was put on in 1892 extremely popular toured the country for months he made a lot of money off it following that was a woman of no importance so he's kind of starting to build back a reputation for himself in the arts then in 1891 he meets a guy called lord alfred douglas he does not help the situation he's an undergraduate at oxford and he's known to his family and friends as bosey he's a very handsome very spoiled young man who i'm sure reminded Oscar of himself and a very intimate friendship began between the two of them by 1893 Wilde was completely infatuated with this kid and they began a very very public very passionate affair they weren't even trying to be quiet about it the other thing that happened was that this Bosey guy sort of introduced Oscar Wilde to the Victorian underground of gay prostitution and so Wilde then goes on many adventures with many young working class male prostitutes. Everybody knows about this. It's the talk of the town. It's, it's not quiet. It's not secret. Bosie's father, not best pleased. So he confronts Oscar Wilde about it and, you know, says the relationship absolutely has to stop and they have no intention of stopping it. Around this time, the importance of being earnest comes out, which is pretty much considered Wilde's masterpiece. This is this is the one that's that's really stood the test of time. And that was first performed in 1895. He's doing well for himself. Things are going good. You might like to just sort of leave it there and say 
he was fine. Shall we? <laughs> it's the stuff about... Because you said, you know, he went out and had a lot of adventures before you mentioned on the on the underage male prostitution scene. When you said he had adventures, I was seeing him at like, you know, Thorpe Park, Alton Towers, <laughs> all these places. But is he... Like, so, you, I mean, you're an author, right? So you know more about writing, you know more about this kind of thing than me. Sure. Most people know about this kind of thing more than me. Is he considered more of a, a writer, like an amazing writer, or is he considered more of a, a character? Is it is the myth about him, does that outweigh his talent, do you think? There was a bit of both happening. So in certain circles he was talked about a lot and looked down on and then I'd say there was probably a lot of people just consuming his work who who didn't know you know the play is just touring the country and people are going to see it and, and probably had no clue and this is the point at which now that you say it actually his friends are sort of starting to say maybe no yeah maybe yeah. maybe chill out a bit so this kid's dad is infuriated about the whole thing he turns up at um this club that Wilde used to frequent and he leaves a card that simply says for Oscar Wilde posing sodomite it doesn't actually say that because there's a typo on on yeah. the card itself that said posing yeah. somdomite but he tried his best and we, we knew what he, we knew what he was trying to get at now yes. do you think he got that in Clinton's or do you think he's made that himself I'd like to think it was a little handmade number yeah, yeah. I'd like to think he really took his time over a bit of calligraphy yeah, he's not pe- picked that up at a service station on no, the way there. No, it's not. Th- it's not quite a hallmark uh, caption, is it? Although in those times, possibly. <laughs> you just insert the name. Yeah. <laughs> Wild should have fucking left it. Shouldn't have said anything. His friends Ooh. all said, "Leave it be. Leave it there. Don't, don't take the bait. You know, just don't get involved in that." But instead, he decides to sue this kid's dad for libel. Because it amounted to a, a publicly written statement about him. So he, he decides to sue him for libel. And again, everyone's saying, don't fucking do this. Because it's an extremely dumb move. Because under the 1843 Libel Act, Queensbury, who is PS famous for creating a set of boxing rules, which... Queensbury rules? That's, it's this guy, it's that guy. That's the, that's the only way I fight. That's just a side note. We don't have to explore that. <laughs> Same. I'll only Same, but a bit of hair rules. pulling. A little bit of hair yeah. pulling, a little yeah. bit of scratching. So he could go to jail for like a couple of years for, for libel. And the only way that he can avoid that is by proving that what he said was true. <laughs> so essentially, Wilde has invited this man into his life to go, fine, prove it. And it's so easy to prove because he's, again, being very public. So... This guy hires private investigators and all sorts of stuff to to follow him around and get proof. And Wilde is completely up shit creek. He gets sent to prison in May 1895. And it wasn't very nice, Shane. Where did he go? In, in, in England? Yes, several several different prisons. For how long? Like, are you talking, like, are we talking months? He was in prison for years. He was in prison for, I think, two to three years, Whoa. two years. 1895 to 1897. Oh, wow. He was treated like the scum of the earth. He didn't have a bed. It was just like a fucking blanket on the floor, like a hard bed. He was forced to walk on a treadmill for six hours every day, like just pointlessly. They had to do labor. He didn't even have books to read. He didn't have a pen and paper to write. And he got very, very sick in prison as well. 
he got an ear infection he was just you know I imagine he was one of those poorly sickly kids as well you know he came from luxury he was used to the nicer things in life he did not fare well in jail he was very very sickly and got moved around a lot but what to be fair walking six hours a day in a treadmill the kid must have been in shape after that you would think, wouldn't you? But he just got in worse and worse and worse shape. He just sort of fell apart. <laughs> he just fucking fell apart in there. And at one point, and I found I found this funny only because of the way the website described it. At one point, his wife, who was like, I guess, just gritting her teeth and, and trying to get through this whole thing. She visited him in jail to let him know that his mother had died. And even though they'd never formally divorced, she changed her surname back to her to her maiden name. And the children's names as well, because she just didn't want them caught up in this whole thing. But what's really funny is the website that I found this on, the headline on this section is, that's cold. Yeah. Is it? He's really fucked her about. Yeah. I don't, I, like, sparing the children this horrid abuse from the public is probably not, I don't think it's that cold. But would, um, he, have been a, would he have been a celebrity yeah, at that yeah. time but would would prisoners have known who he was like i would imagine so he was right. a celebrity like as i said at the top like he, he was kind of the original celebrity modern day celebrity um so yeah pe- people knew who he was and i can't imagine he was treated very well even as he was being moved between prisons you had the public would turn up and literally fucking throw shit at him and spit on him and he was he was just treated like the absolute scum of the earth. And from there on in, it's basically just really, really sad. That's it. He he's let go eventually. He's got no money left. He he goes back to his wife begging forgiveness and she helps him for a little while. But then he goes back to this kid Douglas and and picks up that affair again. That doesn't last very long. He leaves him. And then he basically spends his last three years, uh, I think he's in Paris at this stage. He like he had to leave England because it was so bad for him here. And he just lives in exile, in poverty for a couple of years till he gets really sick of meningitis and dies. So what age, like roughly, was he an old man when he died or was he still pretty he young? He died in November 1900. And then, I mean, this isn't massively helpful, but it, a, sli- a slightly more hopeful end. In 2017, Oscar Wilde was among an estimated 50,000 men who were pardoned for homosexual acts that were no longer considered offences. That's not fucking helpful, is it? 2017? No. Yeah. Man's yeah, been dead no. since 1900. What are, you, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, even if they'd done it in 2016, it's still way too late. Yeah. I wonder, was there a different attitude towards him in Ireland compared to England? Like, did Irish people love him or did they see him as, like, a betrayer because he'd left? The, the interesting thing is what happened afterwards because you then had the Irish and the Catholics and all sorts of different sort of groups of people talking about Oscar Wilde but not mentioning any of, of the stuff that they considered to be untoward. So for a long time, Ireland talked about, you know, their their wonderful playwright and writer and poet Oscar Wilde and what a genius he was and what a mastermind he was but just left out all the other stuff because they didn't want to be associated with that so it's interesting what people have kind of picked and chosen over the years well I feel like I know 99% more about him than what I did before (laughs) because the only thing I knew before was that he was tall and he was gay Um, but I've got bad news about him I don't want to end this episode on a bad note It's 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 a sad note go on they already have made a film and Stephen Fry played Oscar Wilde. Fuck off. 
And and let me tell you this: Do you want to have a stab at who played his wee mate Bosey? If it's Jamie Lang, I'll give no. you a hundred quid. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't say he looks too dissimilar, but I'd say this film's slightly older. So I reckon just by looking at the thumbnail for it, it was made 10, 15, 20 years ago. That's so easy. Think of the a 90s, young English actor, good, young English classically good looking, quite posh. Hugh Grant. Same. Oh. Elk, but maybe a bit younger. Colin Firth? No, he's older. Oh, I don't know. Jude Law. Jude Law! <gasps> That's great casting. That's I'm really thinking good of the casting. picture in my. Yeah, because there's a photo of Oscar Wilde and Douglas together. And I can fully see that as them. Yeah, that's very, very. Oh, man, that already got made. Yeah. Well, we cast that very well in that case. Well, like reboots are all in at the minute, so we could definitely just reboot that film. I think we should. But we keep Stephen Fry in, but the earlier version of Oscar Wilde's played by Jamie Lang. (laughs) And then I'll play the wee, I'll play Bozy, I'll play that guy. Nice, 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 nice. Shall I be the the poor wife? Yeah. Who just just gets absolutely heartbroken. Poor old Constance. who gets heartbroken, visits him in jail to give him some bad news and then people are like, oh, she roasted him so bad. (laughs) What a bitch. All right, well, look, we have some correspondence. We have some emails. Uh, Before I read them, hello at nothistorians.com. If you do want to email us anything, an episode you want us to cover, something we already have, I've got an email from Lana, which may be short for Alana, which says, I'm an archaeologist who loves your podcast, especially the recent prehistory episode. Yes, my <laughs> th- these are my people, my yeah. uh, fellow archaeologist. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I also CBA with the digging and work with the finds from excavations rather than being in the field, but just wanted to say the digging to finds ratio can actually be really high. I work with ceramics and you often get tons from large excavations. Though I don't work with a lot of prehistoric stuff where the ratio can be a bit lower. I love that Lana's like, fuck the prehistoric stuff. Yeah, she's not Lana into only, it at all. Lana's only from 2000 onwards. She says, unfortunately, <laughs> I can't send you any of our bones from the collection, Jane. <laughs> bear, this is just reminding me. That you I asked, asked for, for a bear, bear bone. You fully asked for a bear bone. Bear skeletons can actually look a lot like human skeletons and the first Neanderthal remains were mistaken for a bear at first. So if Shane did have them in his house, he might get a bit creeped. Uh, Lana, less creeped than you think. So do send me those bear bones because I want them (laughs) and I don't care if they look like human bones. I don't care if they might be human bones, but I appreciate that actual archaeologists are getting in touch. Thank you for that. That's amazing. I for- see this is the thing like when you slag off poets and shit I'm like there's actual poets listening there are actual archaeologists listening Shane it's not just the two of us in our rooms anymore <laughs> there are human beings hearing this and they may be upset dig up another email for us Hazel. okay I've got one from Lewis uh, Lewis Donnelly who has been back in touch we've already heard from Lewis Donnelly before uh, he Friend said he loves it welcome back thank you Lewis he said Shane mentioned on the podcast there's a patron saint for everything well, I know of one he might be interested in. St. Lawrence is the patron saint of comedians. Oh, yes. Imagine Love that. This. I've never he heard was of martyred. He was martyred. Oh, fuck. He was martyred by being tied to an iron grill and held over a fire. And you're going to love this bit. While this was happening, he told the soldiers they could turn him over because he was cooked on one side. <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet you as well. I bet you as well. When he was dying, he said, guys. Not the first time I've been involved in a roast. Lewis ends by saying, I'm sure they all had a good laugh, then awkwardly went back to slowly killing the man. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, 
<laughs> Pre- yeah. Presumably so. Someone sent me a St. Lawrence cross or something, some sort of jewellery, a bare bones. I'd like that. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, we're on socials at the Hazel Hayes or at Shane Todd or Shane Todd Comedy. Use the hashtag WNFH for this podcast if you're talking about it and anything. Tell friends, rate and review the podcast if you can, or email us hello at nothistorians.com. We've been Hazel Hayes and Shane Todd. Hazel, great episode in Oscar Wilde. Thank you. So this one was more fact heavy than crack heavy, but we'll we'll be back with lots of crack next week. <laughs> and that is a fact. <laughs> Remember until next time, Hazel. We're not fucking historians. See you next Tuesday. We're not fucking historians is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 